everyone has five minutes a day where they can ask, what can I do or how yeah. can I help? And, and the funny thing is, is that the majority of people spend all their time I, – I like to flip it. The majority of people say, um, what can you do for me? And yeah. I find that if I just say, what can I do for you, it tends to – I tend to get back whatever it is I need. You should be putting out ten times the amount of help into the universe that you want back. Mm. So for every time you ask for something, you should be putting out ten times the amount. That's yeah. how I look at it. Welcome back, friends. This is chapter 22 of the Let's Give a Damn podcast. I'm so thrilled you're here. Last week's episode was super long. I think it was 96 minutes, so we're throwing in a shorter one today. Short, but still so good. This one, I had fun with. Before I introduce this week's guest, a word from our friends and our sponsor, Scout Books. I want to tell you a bit about my friends at Scout Books in Portland, Oregon, a company that really does give a damn. They make custom pocket notebooks for your brand, business, event, or anything else you might want a sweet notebook for. But what really makes Scout Books unique is that they make all their books with 100% recycled paper and they run their shop off of renewable energy. Scout Books also sponsors projects that benefit organizations doing good like the ACLU and the National Forest Foundation. They recently launched a book called We the People Are Powerful, a field guide to getting active in local politics, which is a place where individual action can really make a difference. So if you, the Let's Give a Damn listener, want to make a guide for taking action in your own community or create a fundraiser giveaway or just check out some well-made notebooks, Scout Books is offering 15% off anything in their store. Go check out the following links to get 15% off Scout Books. That's scoutbooks.com slash give a damn. Again, that's scoutbooks.com slash give a damn to get 15% off anything and everything in their store. Now, back to introducing the show. A few weeks ago, I stopped in to see Peter Shankman at his Midtown Manhattan office on a rainy New York City morning. Real talk, I was moist. Actually, I don't like that word. Maybe damp is a better word. I was damp from head to toe and uncomfortable by the time Peter and I met, but I'm so glad I braved the weather to hang out with Peter for a bit. We had a short but fun conversation about people with ADHD and how he gives a damn about them. We also talk New York Public Schools, his podcast, the kind of work he does, and why he doesn't stay overnight on business trips to Las Vegas. <laughs> Peter is a speaker, writer, podcaster. The New York Times has called him a public relations all-star, and he's an entrepreneur. This was a lot of fun, so let's get right into the show. My name is Nick LaPara, and here is my conversation with Peter Shankman. Well, uh, good morning. Let's give a damn family. I am here with Peter Shankman at his office. This is Hell's Kitchen, technically, right? This is more This is more Midtown. More Midtown. More Midtown, yeah. Okay. A couple blocks over, a couple blocks more west is Hell's Kitchen. Okay, great. Well, welcome. Thank you Thank so much you. for joining me. I am glad to be here. Good. Well, let's um, spend a few minutes before we get to your work and your life and the things you've committed yourself to. Let's spend a few minutes talking about how it all started because I'm super interested in the family dynamic, where you grew up, the th experiences and things that happened that formed who I'm talking to today here in your office. 
Damn. Okay, so I was born in New York City. Okay. I am a New York City public school educated kid. I take great pride in that. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, items in the separation agreement between me and my ex-wife, who are still great friends with, was uh, that our daughter will go to public school uh, in New York City. Yeah. Not private school. Yeah. Born and raised in New York City. Public school kid. Went to high school at performing arts, the Fame School. The show, the movie Fame and TV show Fame was based after. Yeah. Was really excited about that and used to brag about that because I graduated with Marlon Wayans and Omar Epps and Jenny Aniston was a year before me and Adrian Brody was a year wow. after me. And then in 2007, Nicki Minaj graduated from it and fucked it up for everyone. So um, <laughs> before that, Thanks, Nicki. Right. Seriously. But uh, yeah, so high school performing arts and then um, Boston University. I uh, went to grad school for fashion and portrait photography out in Santa Barbara. 18 credits ago, I lost my financial aid. Government sent me a letter. It said, your parents make too much money. We're taking away your financial aid. Sent the government alerts that my parents do make too much money. They keep it. Government didn't find that funny. So moved back home <laughs> with 18 credits to go. Never finished. But a few months later, wound up at just in a random twist of fate, was hanging out in a chat room on AOL. And someone in this chat room said, you know, my company's trying to build a newsroom. When you submit your resume? Two weeks later, I was moving down to Virginia to become the founding editor of the America Online Newsroom. Um, wow. Literally no experience, no anything. And and all of a sudden, I'm I'm... I'm, I'm Running this newsroom with a bunch of other uh, journalists, and it was it was ridiculously insane. It amazing, was a great experience. Yeah, let's go back just a one minute. That's amazing. A few seconds ago, you said public school take pride in that. Our daughter's going. What are a few reasons why? New York City. Public this schools, is very controversial. Yeah. Right? Like, well, here's the thing: in New York City, you don't become a New York City school teacher for the money. Sure. Right. So if you're going to become a New York City school teacher, it means you're living like on the outskirts of Brooklyn. Um, you're essentially poor. Until you retire, they have great pensions. So you know, if you stick it out, you'll be fine. But you know, you're not doing it for the money. You're doing because you honestly want to make a difference. And that cannot the same can't be said for private school teachers. I mean, some of them do, sure. But if you're a New York City public school teacher, you're in it because you love the kids, and that's mm. hugely important. Um, there is a badge of honor that you wear if you survive the New York City public schools because the, while the education is great, you're learning in New York City. I mean, my weekends as a kid. You know, hey, what do you what do you want to do? I don't know. Let's go see what's on Broadway. Let's go see what mm, you know. You don't get yeah. to do that if you live in like Middle America or wherever. Nope. And or so, anywhere else. Really true. So you know, you learn. You learn yeah. to become street smart at an early age. You know, I, I, the gut instinct I have, which has been responsible for a lot of my success, that was that was crafted in public schools in the streets of New York City. And uh, plus, just from a, a selfish note, I'm not paying fifty fucking thousand dollars a year yeah. to send my kid to private school yeah. in New York City when they can go to public. And it's not yeah. it's more than fifty now. I mean, yeah. You know, okay, you can go to two years of private school, you can go to college. Pick pick which one you want. Yeah. You know, yeah, so, seriously. So, um, and it's funny because she's in she's in pre-K right now. Pre-K is is this private pre-K. I'm in the process of, of mailing a check, uh, actually, to the because you know they don't accept credit cards, to the um school that she goes to. And it's 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 funny because it's the free synagogue and early childhood center is part of their name. And I, I, I asked the president, the principal of the school once I said, what what part of the school is actually free? Because it's called the free sin. It's not really free now. It was the is air, is, you know. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. I was saying before we even started that we want to get our family here, yeah. and precisely the reasons that you just mentioned are the reasons that we don't want to end up. In, it's it's fine. There's a lot of amazing people who live in Middle America and oh, live yeah, outside no of the U.S. About it, no doubt. But for what my wife and I want for our children, the exactly. things we want them to see. I grew up all over the world. In the worldview that I have, the things that I see and know, and when I see a people or a thing happening, the way that I perceive it is directly tied to me growing up uh, in a very urban city, Guatemala, and then in a lot of other cities around the world. What's amazing to me, and, and this always kills me, I see people who they don't 
they know the area in a three block radius around where they live. Yeah. You know, I, I joke that I live in, in an apartment in Midtown Manhattan right now, and I could still see my high school from where I live. Mm. Anywhere else in the United States, if I could still see my high school from where I live, oh, maybe, you know, you should you should do my, In New York, it's actually a bad job. Holy yeah. shit, you still see, you can afford yeah. to live here and still see your high school. You do yeah. a lot, you know. So yeah. it's like that. It's that. And I've been very lucky. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't take any of the shit for granted. It is entirely... Uh, I've had a lot of I've had a lot of luck and I've had a lot of hard work. You know, yeah. um, Lincoln was famous for saying, "I believe in good fortune. I find the harder I work, the more of it I have." Yeah, I busted my ass, no doubt. You know, and I've gotten lucky at some point. So, the key for me is really grow what you love to do, work really, really hard at it, and then give back. Yeah, love that. How do you describe what you do? I create content. Um, I think is the best way to put it. I create content. I give ninety nine percent of it away for free. One uh, percent of it I sell. I am a corporate keynote speaker. I am a consultant. I started a, a, a PR firm that I sold. I've had another company that I sold, and eventually I started a company called Help a Reporter Out. That was Harrow. Harrow was acquired three years after I started it for a game-changing amount, in my opinion. Uh, it sort of changed my life in that regard. Mm. So I help people. I, I create content and build things that help people grow and help people become better at whatever they do. I run a mastermind group of about 200 people uh, with live coaching from me and uh, conference calls and uh, private groups that we can join and in-person events. Mm. And people get really good benefit out of that. I just try to have fun. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm doing things that help people and I get to have fun out of it. And that, that to me is is the best. Yeah, it is the best. And, and, and everyone listening, I know this is true because a, on his website, it literally says, how can I help you? Yeah. And B, that's how you and I got connected. You tweeted out, how can I help yeah. you? Right? Yeah. You just like put it out there. And I replied and a bunch of other people replied and then we got emailing and here we are well, today. Well, that's the thing. You know, it's it's not hard. Everyone has five minutes a day where they can ask, what can I do or how yeah. can I help? And and the funny thing is, is that the majority of people spend all their time I, – I like to flip it. The majority of people say, um, what can – you do for me. And yeah. I find that if I just say, what can I do for you? It tends to, I tend to get back whatever it is I need. You should be putting out 10 times the amount of help into the universe that you want back. Mm. So for every time you ask for something, you should be putting out 10 times the amount. That's yeah. how I look at it. Yeah. A little Gary Vaynerchuk, jab, 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 right hook kind yeah. of. Yeah. Um, I, him and he, I, he's a great guy. He does his thing. I think we're very, very different. Oh, Radically sure. different yeah. people. Um, I don't feel the need to walk around with a camera crew with yeah. me 24 hours a sure. day. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's some similarities in there. I just, I just, but is it the concept is true though yeah. that if you if you give 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 everything that you need will eventually yeah, I, I it'll, think, it'll I happen. Mean, it definitely I believe is. that. For me though, I just I like to do it because it's nice to do. Yeah. Right? If you know, if I don't get anything back from it ever again, I'd figure out something else sure. to make money. Yeah. Um I just a like great help. way to look it's at it. It's a fun it's a fun way to help people and it's, it, I'm just a big believer that if you've had any monicum of success in the world, you have a responsibility to give back. Um to sort of send the elevator back down. Yeah. And so that's what I like to do. So a lot of what you do, tell me how it ties back into ADD and ADHD. So that's the other big thing I do. I run a website, website and podcast. It's actually the number one podcast on iTunes uh, where we believe that ADHD is a gift, not a curse. It's called Faster Than Normal. Mm. And the premise behind Faster Than Normal is simply that having a faster brain, an ADHD brain, is a benefit if you know how to use it. Um, mm. If you drove a Honda all your life and someone gave you a Lamborghini and said, here, have fun. If you didn't really know how to use it, if you didn't know how to drive a stick, if you didn't know how to practice it, if you didn't know how things like that, You'd crash into a tree. You need to be able to understand how to do what you're doing and how to use that faster brain. Um, there are rules. You know, there are ways to put yourself into situations that mm. benefit you and avoid ones that don't. And when you have a faster normal brain, ADHD brain, which is very close to an addictive brain, you need to make sure that you're aware of that and you need to make sure of how to use that. Once you figure out how to do that, 
you can generate a ridiculous amount of, of productivity. You can be better than almost everyone out there. Um, mm. You simply need to understand how to use that brain. So the podcast helps people do that. Who are some of the people out there that have been able to harness what you've said? Maybe some names or yeah. situations I mean, that people would know about. The people we've had on the um, podcast, people like Seth Godin, uh, people like Tony Robbins. Hmm. We've had him on the podcast. We've had um, Dave Nealman from JetBlue. We've had uh, the CEO of Norwegian Cruise Lines. Um, but people who you know believe they have a faster brain and use that faster brain to their advantage yeah. and understand how to benefit from it and how to use it so that they're not looking at it as, oh, this is a, a problem, this is whatever, but they use it, hey, hey, I can, I don't tend to test things. I tend to just jump in. Sure. Right? And that has had some negatives, but some also some, some great benefits. And so the key is, what can you do to understand how your brain works and use that to the best of your advantage? I also, I'm terrible at things. There are things that I'm horrible at. I don't, I, I do really, really terribly with um, scheduling and things like that. So I don't do mm -hmm. that. That's my assistant. I let yeah. her do all that. Right? You know, you never talk to me about, about no. making a schedule. I, that was all Megan. Um, because I'm smart enough to know that if I do it, I'll screw it up. So yeah. I know what I'm great at. I know what I suck at. And uh, I go in from there. That trait that you mentioned of jumping in, is that you or is, is that a lot of people that struggle with or that, I that think it's a lot of not people. struggle? We don't want, but uh, you know, they have that. That's a lot of people have that. I think that for the ADHD world, we do it because we like to try new things and we like to focus sure. on it. We like to see what happens. I wonder what would happen if, you know, I. I was nine years old. I wonder what would happen if I painted the cat. My mother comes downstairs. <laughs> Nothing good comes out if you paint the cat. You know? So it's like understanding what, what matters and what doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I've spent the last couple of days with a dear buddy of mine uh, in Brooklyn, and he's a reporter at Adweek. And a lot of the stories that he came out with were he's had so many ideas. He's an ideas machine. Mm -hmm. But he's had, you know, he admittedly, just readily admitted, I have trouble executing on these ideas. And... I spent the last couple of days really encouraging because a lot of them are really good ideas. And I think you just spoke to, you've been able to do a lot of amazing things because you weren't so worried about, is this a good idea? You're just going to go test it. Well, that's the thing. Test it and see if it works. And you have to understand if it when to cut bait also. Like if it doesn't sure. work, get out. Don't waste your time. But right. if you think there's something there, stay for a little while. So, you know, and I've done that. And I've been lucky with some of them. Yeah. I'm sure there are people listening that do struggle with ADD. Is, is that the right word to use, first of I all? I call it ADHD. Uh, okay. Attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. But is the word struggle? The I don't right, think it's, well, I think how, it's, how would I ask that question? I'm, it's struggle until you understand how to use it. Okay. Then it's, you know. Should uh, I just say people that have it? Yeah, because I mean, yeah. I, for me, I don't consider it a struggle anymore. Right. I, I have implemented rules in my life that allow me to use it to the best of my advantage. But again, you have to understand how to do that. Yeah. So maybe the, the way I want to ask this is for people that are listening that maybe at this point do struggle with it, but want to just have it and own it. What are some things that you've learned that you could directly just like, point to things, situations, circumstances that you could point to and say, this is how you go from maybe saying that you struggle with it to saying that, no, I have this and I'm going to use it to my advantage. Well, for me, you know, so for instance, a lot of the things I do, I focus on um, systems and rituals work. So I have, I have two sides to my closet. The left side is labeled speaking in TV and the right side is labeled office. And when I wake up in the morning and I go to my closet, Alexa has already told me my schedule, and if I'm going on TV, then I know that I'm putting out pulling out a button-down shirt, jacket, and jeans. If I'm going to the office or traveling, I know that I'm putting on a t-shirt and jeans, and that's it. Um, my sweaters, my Italian suits, all that stuff, those are in another closet, another room. Because if everything was in my closet, I'd walk into my closet. Oh, okay, what should I wear? 
Oh my God, that sweater. I remember that sweater. Laura gave me that sweater. I wonder how she's doing. I should look her up on Facebook. It's three hours later. I'm naked in the living room and I haven't left the house. Right? So <laughs> Still you, holding the sweater in your exactly. hands. Exactly. So you you have to understand what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And I'm I'm really all about that. Uh, I sleep in my gym clothes. On the days I go to the gym, which is about six days a week, or work out or go outside or run or whatever, get on my Peloton, six days a week. And so to do that, to make sure I get up at, 4.30 in the morning sure. and don't fall back asleep, I sleep in my gym clothes. And it's very, very hard once you wake up and realize you're in your gym clothes to justify going back to bed. Mm-hmm. That works for me. It sounds crazy for other people, but it works for me. You know, there are other things I do as well. You know, I I, I have, um, anywhere I speak, I have a uh, very simple contract. I'll speak, you'll pay me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only, and you'll pay my expenses. The only place I don't have that is in Vegas. In Vegas, I actually have a writer in my contract that says, Speaker does not have to be on the ground from wheels down to wheels up for more than eight hours. So that means I have to do a, a lunchtime keynote. And I've missed out on some morning keynotes and things like that. But if I do a morning or an evening keynote in Vegas, that tends to mean that I have to stay the night before or the night after. Mm-hmm. That's me unsupervised in Vegas for 12 hours. Nothing good will come from that. Sure. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to go like spend my daughter's college fund. I'm not. But, yeah. you know, why go to that place? Yeah. Right? So I'll take a 6 a.m. flight in. I'll land at 10.30 in the morning. I'll do a 12.30 keynote. I'll be on a 4 p.m. flight home. Yeah. Uh, number one, I get to see my daughter. Number two, there's no need to be there. There's no yeah. benefit to that. So that's important to me. Yeah. So, so you know, you, you make those decisions and you do what works. What's the demographic of people that have this? And after you tell me that and kind of describe what that looks like, if you even if you have that that information, how many what's the percentage of people that have actually been able to harness it versus those that still see it as a curse versus the gift that you've described it as? I think the majority of people still see it as a curse. Um, and that's really one of the reasons I built the podcast. Okay. I am trying desperately to get people to understand that there is benefit to having it. Again, if you know how to manage it. And that's just the key is, is so many people don't know how to manage it. What can you do? You know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. What can you do differently to change, if you can't change how your brain works, can you change how you work with what comes from your brain? I enjoy exercise. I enjoy skydiving. I enjoy all these crazy things I do because they allow my brain to function at its highest potential. Um, everyone thinks that I'm crazy for skydiving, but the fact of the matter is, is that when I skydive, I'm getting a massive amount of endorphins, dopamine, and serotonin, all the three major drugs that you don't get when you have ADHD. Yeah. So here mm-hmm. I am getting them all at once, and that is perfect. That's exactly what I need. I can go skydive, land, sit in the corner of the, of the drop zone with my laptop, and write 10,000 words um, in an hour. It's great. <laughs> That's amazing. So, you know, I and, and again, doing things that work for you, if other people think is weird, it, they're not weird if they work for you. Sure. I wrote my last book. I wrote Zombie Loyalists. I got on a plane... I had six months to do it with two months with two weeks left. I hadn't written it. And the publisher said, okay, you have two weeks. I was going like, oh, it's going great. And I hung out the phone and I booked a flight to Asia for the next day, uh, going to Japan. And I wrote chapters one through five on the flight to Asia, uh, landed, got off the plane, went outside, went through immigration, took a breath of fresh air, got back on, got, went back to the airport, went back through immigration, went back to the lounge, had a cup of coffee, took a shower, got back on the same plane, same seat two hours later and wrote chapter six through 10 on the flight home. And I landed with a best-selling book and... Yeah, everyone, my God, you spent $5,000 to go nowhere. I'm like, no, I spent $5,000 to write, to write book, your book. And I got it done. And it's a bestseller. And 
that's what I do. My next one, which is Faster Than Normal, being published by Random House, coming out in October, is the exact same premise. I did the exact same thing. It was a flight to Singapore. I have, I have two speeds. I have namaste and I'll cut a bitch. And there is no middle ground. And <laughs> so I don't know how to write a page or two a day and just move. I won't do that. So I understand what works for me. And it's not crazy because it works. Yeah, it obviously works. So how many people are we talking about? I've heard that up to 25 to 30% of the country has been diagnosed or is undiagnosed with ADHD. Wow. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, it's, oh, it's it's ADHD. It's it's, it's made up. It's a, yeah, uh, a lot of people I grew up with, it was just like, oh, no, you're just you're just lazy. You're you hyper, whatever. Right. Or hyper or whatever. I, I, I didn't have ADHD growing up. I had to sit down and disrupt in the class disease. And the thing about it is, though, is that, you know, in the 1500s, 1600s, um, we put leeches on people to drain their blood. And that really didn't work that well. No. And then then we assumed it was Satan. And we assumed that they were witches. And then someone developed something called penicillin. And all of a sudden, all that shit that we, you know was 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 leeches and was was the devil or whatever just seemed to vanish. And then, of course, we put people in sanatoriums because they were uh, sanitariums because they were talking to themselves and they were obviously crazy and possessed by the devil. And then we discovered how different cortexes of the brain work. And sure. then all of a sudden, they were crazy. So just because something didn't exist or didn't have a name yeah. for it didn't mean it didn't exist. Yeah. And and that's on the flip side. I love the fact that. I wasn't diagnosed because it allowed me to come up with these ideas that work for me. Um, there was no medication when I was a kid. I don't think my parents would have put me on it anyway. But to be able to learn how to self-medicate in a beneficial way um, has been tremendously useful for me for where I am now. We're taking a quick break from my conversation with Peter Shankman to give you part four of four of a series we have been doing with Julie, one of the founders of Ruby Cup. Over the last few weeks, we have gotten to know why Ruby Cup started and we have seen the massive impact of their work. And you'll definitely want to go back and listen to the other parts of this series if you haven't already. This week, we wrap up our series by asking her, Julie, how can the Let's Give a Damn family help Ruby Cup grow and influence more people? Friends, we are here after all to learn how to give a damn, right? Let's listen as Julie shares and let's take action, people. Take it away, Julie. Well, uh, in order to help, um, you can do several things. Um, one is to, uh, of course, maybe buy a Ruby Cup for yourself if you want one, because every purchase includes a donation to uh, a girl in need who uh, who will give uh, get a Ruby Cup and uh, education as well. Uh, you can also just donate if you don't have a period um, on our website and don't need a Ruby Cup. And um, you can also uh, share with us. I mean, we are like really about trying to open the conversation about menstruation and get knowledge out there. So if you know uh, weird period stories or if you know um, our uh, myths or, or, or wrongful information or, or maybe you know new information, we're always very, very happy to, uh, to hear from people and learn and share with our community as well. Thank you so much, Julie. It has been great getting to know you and learning more about Ruby Cup. So friends, go check out their website, rubycup.com. And in the next couple months, we're actually going to have Julie on the show as a guest. I can't wait. I know that'll be tons of fun and we have so much to learn from her. Okay, back to the show. The word uh, success is obviously very relative, but 
for all intents and purposes, you've been very successful. You are very successful in a lot of ways. And I'm so grateful for the ways that you are, yeah, contributing in the world. You mentioned getting up to work out and sleeping in your gym clothes to make sure you get there. What does an ideal day look like so that you can reach maximum potential, be the success that you are? Starts the night before. Um, I am passionate about getting enough sleep. Um, hmm. When I, on the nights I have my daughter, I put her to sleep at around 8.15 and I'm usually out by 8.45. Um, everyone said, did you not like the fireworks on the 4th of July? I said, I have no idea. She didn't see them and neither did I. Yeah. You know? So I get to sleep around 8.45, 9 o'clock and I'm up around 4 a.m. On the days that I have her, I'm on my Peloton bike um, doing a class first thing at like 4 a.m. It's great. It's silent. It's like, it's perfect. I do that before she wakes up. And then, so from there, I go, uh, a perfect day involves usually coming to the office or I'm on a plane somewhere. If I'm not working, and I'm always working, but if I'm not working, I sure. can go to, maybe I'll go to the drop zone. Um, maybe I'll go with my daughter somewhere. We'll go out for the day. But, you know, one of the benefits of doing what I do and how I do it is that I can really work from anywhere. Sure. I can work from a forest if I wanted to, you know. Yeah. So so I think that's actually kind of good because you get to enjoy. Everyone says, oh, you know, it must be so tough. You're, you're you know. They say it sarcastically. Oh, it must be tough. You know, you're working from a beach. Yeah, but I'm still working. Right. You know, I have friends that go on vacation, and when they go on vacation, they go on vacation, right? They spend a week off the grid. They don't use their phones. They don't touch anything like that. And for me, I don't really know what that's like. Yeah. I don't really get that. So for me, I am much more about um, making sure that I have the time to – I'll take a day on a business trip, and I'll take an extra half day, and I'll go skydiving or something like that, right? But for me, it's about – not having to um, – about understanding that I'm not I, – I can't always just go and, and, and take two weeks and go to Asia or, you know, be on a vacation. Yeah. Um, which is fine. I don't necessarily need to because I'm having no. a lot of fun doing yeah. it the way I'm doing. Yeah. But, you know, you have all these people say, oh, it must be so so nice. You just get to chill and you get – like, it doesn't really work that way. Yeah. You know, I, one of my favorite blog posts that I wrote at Shankman.com was about an ex-girlfriend who called one day and said, hey, what are you doing? It was like 4 p.m. I'm like, oh, I'm at the bar at the W Hotel for me. It's, Oh, the bar at 4 p.m. must be tough. Why don't you do some work? I'm like, bitch, you don't have a clue. Is it hard? You know? So it's that it wakes you up and you learn how to do better. In that well, no, that's that's a that's a really great point and fascinating because so many people, like you said, they they do they get their three, you know, their their work gives them three weeks of vacation right. and they go off the grid and they live for the weekends and for those three yeah. weeks of vacation. And that is a terrible life. I haven't done that in forever. In fact, I work a lot, um, and my, we should probably take more rest time as a family. But the the truth of the matter is, I don't feel like I need a vacation because I love what well, I do. Well, that's the thing. I love what I do, and I, I don't feel like I need um, a vacation. I feel like I enjoy, I enjoy what I'm doing, and it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. The the problem that I see is when people say, "Oh, I you should be able to look forward to going to work as much as you're looking forward to vacation, as much as you're looking forward to weekends." And if you're not, something's wrong. Yeah. Right. We're we're in this mindset that says we have to look forward to um, that we work to get to the weekend, and I'm, I'm just like, no, it doesn't. You know, I, I work because I enjoy it, and everyone. I think everyone should. I don't think they do, but everyone right. should. What do you plan to do, and what needs to be done to help the majority of these people that still see ADHD as a curse? What's what does the future hold for Peter Shankman, and what does what do you hope happens? You know, because you can't do it all, right? Obviously, you right. you know that. So, what needs to happen for this to become more of a real thing that people take seriously and begin to see that switch happen? Because I'm I'm guessing if more people, I guess I'm just trying to think what amazing things could happen. How many issues could we tackle and conquer in the world? How how many more dams could be given if we saw it as a blessing and not a curse? I look along the lines that I enjoy doing what I'm doing. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. And at some point, 
Um, I can only help so many people. I can, sure. you know, if there are people who don't necessarily understand that ADHD is a given because they don't want to, you know, and, and I've learned that it's not my job to, to fix their problem. My job is to do the best I can with what I have and hopefully that'll work. I used to, I used to smoke years ago. I used to smoke. And everyone's like, oh, you should quit, you should quit, you quit. You know, I quit when I was ready. Yeah. I used to drink. And I never had a drinking problem. No one ever told me I needed, I had a drinking problem, I should quit. But, and that was actually the problem because I, I drank like I do everything else. There was, there was no middle ground. You know, I didn't drink to get drunk. I just drank 10 drinks because they were there. Yeah. And so when I decided to quit, I decided to quit because I decided to quit. And when people decide they want to change their lives, they'll make that decision. I, you waste a lot of time if you try to help, if you try to make them do that. No question yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. You write, you speak, you uh, podcast. Is that the future for Peter Shankman? Or do you have any dreams, ask, like things that like, you know what? I'm, this is what I'm working toward. You know what? Or, or, I, or you're just super enjoying what you're doing I'm and that's fun. disconnect. I'm having keep... a good time right now. And if at some point, if people ask me to do something else, I'd consider it. I mean, I don't know what's next, but I'm having a lot of fun with what I'm doing. I'm an angel investor in several companies. Um, I'm having a good time. And, and I assume at some point that will something else will happen or sure. maybe I'll be offered a job or who knows. But right now I'm having a blast. Yeah. And I'll just keep doing that. As we, and I really appreciate your time, as we begin to wrap up, um, what are like a, a, a couple key things that those listening can start to implement? Whether they have ADHD or not, what are some things that they can begin to do just to start giving a damn about people, about uh, issues, just to be aware of what's going on so that they can better choose the things that they're going to go after, the things that they're going to tackle? The number one thing that people could do, the number one way to change things is simply to ask yourself, so, so go through your Facebook and look at people you haven't talked to, find 10 people you haven't talked to in over a year and reach mm. out to them. And, and you know, hey, what's up? On their wall is not reaching out to them. Reach out to them. Like research them, figure out what they're doing. Ask how you can um, help them. And that's the biggest thing. How can I help you? What can I do for you? Is the most underutilized term in the world. Mm. How can I help? Those four words, you know, can change your can change your life, yeah. change someone else's life. And I'm not saying, you know, you have to go over and paint their house, but, you know, how, what are you working on? Yeah. How can I help? And and we don't do that enough. And yeah. So right there, that, that would be the best thing you could possibly do to start. Yeah, I love that. I, about a year and a half ago, I loved so much that you asked that because I don't do it enough, but I started doing it about 18 months ago. I started asking that in my sphere of influence. I've helped people get jobs. I've helped people uh, with, that are, have suicidal thoughts. I've even gotten some clients out of it without even, like yeah. I'm genuinely just want to like help somebody and they ended up coming on as like clients so that I could consult with their business and their work well, and stuff. Well, that's the funny thing is that um, people with resources tend to deliver opportunities to people they trust. And people they trust tend to be people who have asked them, how can I help? Mm, I love that. Last question. It's a hypothetical. I love asking this question because I'm always super fascinated by the answers. Again, it's a hypothetical. For some odd reason, when you die someday, hopefully it's many years from ah. now, when you die someday, all of the people that you've that you have influenced and affected, your, your daughter, your family, your friends, they're all there. And I'm giving your eulogy. I am talking about the legacy that you have left. What do you hope that I would say on that day? Well, first thing I hope you'd say is I hope it'd be an off, open coffin and you'd look in and say, holy shit, he's moving. But other than that... <laughs> um, that would be amazing. But after that, that... After that, um, I'd love to know that, that the world was just a little bit better than when I found it. I mean, not a lot. You know, I, I'd like to do something that... I'd like to be remembered for having helped make the world a little better um, in, in whatever capacity that is. And I don't know, I you know... Maybe I help change the face of what ADHD is. Maybe I help people realize they can do more. I, whatever it is, but I just I'd love the ability to um, to know that I, I helped do that. I love that because so many people either I see so many people. The, the very reason I started, let's give a damn, is because people either 
bite off too much, mm-hmm. right? Like they they want to be the next Mother Teresa, the next you know, right? And then they never achieve it because that you don't you don't wish for that and it happens. You just start working and eventually you begin reaching more people or. They find it too big a task and they just give up and they watch Netflix for five hours every night and every decision huh. every decision they make is self-serving and they just go through their days, day in and day out, me, 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 me. So I see those two spectrums, but not a lot of, I just want to leave it a little better than what I found it, which was a which was a rule I learned when I was a kid. When we go, when we have people over, when we go to a friend's house, like always leave the room better than when you found yeah. it. And I've just tried to embody that in all areas of life. Little, right, make that a little bigger. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a, don't do it just at, on the small level, see what you can do. So whenever I get on a plane, I take about, I do about 350,000 miles a year on a plane, um, like top frequent flyer. And um, I won't get on a plane without bringing a, uh, a one pound bag of M&Ms. I get on the plane, I give it to the lead flight attendant. And I say, hey, this is for you. And I walk to my seat and that's it. And I'm not, I'm not asking, I'm, I'm usually upgraded anyway, so I'm not asking for a free drink sure. or a drink. That M&M, that changes changes the entire flight for everyone. I love that. All the flight attendants are happier. That translates to the, the passengers who are happier. Everyone. And all I did was just, it was $8 worth every penny. I love that. For those just getting to know you in this podcast, what do you want them to go check out? If they check out, you know, it's it's a big ask at the end for people to go get off and do stuff. So what would you want them to go look at? So my life is at shankman.com. And my mastermind group, if you have any need to have a kick in the ass in any capacity, uh, we're at shankminds.com. Okay. And we're a pretty good group of people. I would, I, would, I would say check out Shank Minds because it's not all about me. It's about the people who yeah. are in the group, not just me. Love it. And your podcast is? Fasterthannormal.com. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This was, was super fun, and I hope that it continues to uh, – I hope this spreads like wildfire because I think a lot of people can benefit from it. Thanks so much. Cool. Thanks for joining me today, friends. I hope you were inspired and challenged by my conversation with Peter. Check out the show notes on letsgiveadam.com for more links and information about Peter Shankman, our guest this week. Don't leave just yet. I know it's a huge ask, but it would help us out a ton if you would subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Help us get into the ears and lives of many more listeners. Every week, we highlight a review that a listener has left us on Apple Podcast. We do this so that you can be encouraged by how this podcast is changing lives. Today's review is from James BSC. Here's the review. Now more than ever, we should feel an itch to start making positive waves ripple. These are great stories to inspire action. Thank you, James BSC. We agree. These are great stories, and we hope, hope, hope that they do inspire action. I love this. We aim not to simply entertain you or make you feel good inside, friends, but rather to inspire action. If you would like a chance to have your review read on the show, go leave one. It takes 60 seconds, and it would mean the world to me. Several people have also asked how they can support this show more tangibly. There is one way that many of you have already taken advantage of, and we're so grateful. Patreon is a platform that allows people to support creators in a tangible and monthly way. Visit patreon.com forward slash let's give a damn. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash let's give a damn. Lastly, make sure to support our wonderful sponsors, Scout Books and Ruby Cup. They're both doing great work and it would mean the world to me if you would go let them know on social media and check out their websites and get involved in the work they're doing to make the world a much better place. Well, that's all. Our time together has come to an end. 
for this week anyway. I love you all so much. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. Bye for now. <laughs>